If you look at this image here, I got my fancy laser pointer today. See this image here? It's a little weak, but you can see the little red dot, right? So behind this uh, title, The Command and Invitation, A Sermon About Doing, um, is a picture. You'll see two fish and a basket full of bread. Because today we're going to be preaching about the fishes and the loaves, the feeding of the 5,000 as found in the book of Mark. Um, the first couple hundred years of Christianity, from the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus till uh, I think sometime in the third, uh, mid-third century, mid-fourth century, uh, I'm somewhere in there, Christianity wasn't, oh, simpatico with the government, the Roman government specifically. And so there were times and waves of persecution, and there were times where it was not accepted. So what the early church would have to do to, under the radar, so to speak, show other Christians that this was a safe place to share their religion, to share their faith, is that they would use these symbols. They would use things like the cross, um, and they would use symbols like the fish. And this is like an ancient uh, church or cathedral floor that I took this picture from. Uh, off the internet, I wasn't there. Um, but it was a symbol of something associated with Jesus to show other Christians that this was a safe place. This is a place where Jesus is going to be worshipped. When Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg church door um, some 500 or so years ago, and Protestantism began. We, we are Protestants. We're not Catholic. We're Protestants. Uh, we're protesters of false religion. We are uh, adhering to the Word of God. One of the things that the beginning Protestant churches did is they put a rooster on their steeple rather than a cross. And they used a rooster to symbolize that they were Protestants. And uh, a rooster is uh, a symbol of a wake-up call. And that was the reason behind that. And so today, just with that being in mind, I want you to know that as we worship here today, some of you are in uh, sin. Let's just face it. For the most part, we probably all sinned this week at some time or another, probably gloriously magnificently and we need to repent of it but this is a safe place to worship this is a place where you can give that sin to jesus repent of those things find his grace and forgiveness by virtue of you being here you are walking into the grace that god has for you i see this uh this image on facebook every now and again and it's a, an atrocious lie and please don't fall for it it's a picture of the ark and it'll say uh noah wasn't saved by grace he was saved by obedience Understand this, that Noah was able to walk in obedience because the grace of God allowed him to. you got to understand that grace always comes before obedience. If we could be obedient, grace would, uh, if we could be obedient, grace would not be needed. So today you find yourself by the grace of God in a place where you can repent of your sin. And, and you might disagree with what the Bible calls sin, and you might disagree with me. You, know, you and I can disagree all day long, but with the Bible, either, either you adhere to it or you do not. And I pray today that you brought your Bible, that you brought your notebook, that you would start a new habit this year of bringing those both to church every Sunday, taking down notes and writing down verses and going back to them throughout the week. Um, I guarantee you, if you do not, you will forget a good 90% of this message by the end of the day. And by the end of the week, you'll, you will struggle to remember any of it. That's just how our human minds work. So that being said, tur turn to Mark chapter 6. We're going to talk about the fishes and loaves. As you turn there, many of you are familiar with this story. There's actually two times where Jesus does this throughout his ministry that we know of. And it's one of the few stories recorded in all four Gospels. So that, makes it, that in and of itself makes it an amazing event, on par with 
of the crucifixion of Jesus, which is mentioned in all four Gospels as well. Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 30. Do your best, because this is a familiar story, to try to see this with fresh eyes today. Oh, yeah, the fishes and loaves, I know that story. Well, let's, let's just start with a clean slate. Let's try to think and read this as if we've never read it before, so that we may not miss or gloss over so much that we can find here in this story. So starting in verse 30, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now stop right there. In context, the disciples, the apostles, had been sent out to heal and preach and proclaim the name of Jesus, the gospel, the coming kingdom of God. And they went out and they were just, they marveled that demons were cast out, people were healed, the church was, was just kind of blossoming, if you will. Little, little seeds being planted all over the place. The, the, the nation of Israel was being told about the Messiah that had come to save them. And they were just ecstatic. They, it was like, you know, if you've ever been to like a, 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 a conference where they try to go, it's a rah-rah conference. They try to get you amped up and then you come home after that and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take the world by the horns, you know. Amplify that by like a thousand because they're preaching the gospel. They come back and they're like, yeah. They go back to Jesus and they just tell him everything that's been happening. Verse 31 says, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while, or rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat, or to even to eat. Verse 32, and they, uh, they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves uh, and buy themselves something to eat. But he, that's Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves, excuse me, and by t and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Let's pray. Jesus, your word is good and perfect. And as I mentioned before. You, you don't need clarification. You don't need somebody. You don't need a PR guy who comes and you know makes sure everything's taken care of. Lord, you just need somebody to proclaim the gospel, and you need people to hear the gospel. Well, that's what we're here to do today, Lord. And so we pray for the the raw, unedited gospel to to penetrate our hearts, go to the places that only you know, and change us from the inside out. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right off the bat. Jesus started preaching early. He ended late. When you go home today and you're like, man, this preacher preached for an hour, um, count your lucky stars. Because if you, were, <laughs> if you were here in this day, you'd been there all day with nothing to eat in a desolate place. Um, so long sermons not only are biblical, but they are beneficial. So uh, with that being said, uh, Jesus takes them to a desolate place. Um, desolate. For me, that does not conjure up good images. When I heard the word desolate, I think of barren. When we took a road trip uh, in December, we drove through uh, Boron, California. 
Uh, anybody know what borax is? Laundry booster stuff? It's where that's manufactured. It's barren. It's desolate. It's the only thing within 100 miles of that place. Uh, there might have been a casino off on the side of the road somewhere because when you're in the desert, apparently you need to gamble. Um, but it was, it's where borax is made. Desolate. That's what I think of. I think of a desert, no water, uh, cactuses, scraggly trees, little little rodents that are trying to pick stuff off and, and buzzards flying around. It's just not a place you want to go. Um, this is not the place that Jesus is speaking of. What Je this word desolate, what it means is a quiet place. Remember, they had come back from uh, preaching the gospel for who knows how long. And it says here that they didn't even have time to eat. People, people saw them and recognized them, and they're like, oh, there they are. Let's go after them. And they just had no time to rest. Um, not tuning my own horn, but as a pastor, sometimes I go into the community, and people just start talking to me like they know me. Like, I don't, I don't know who you are. Like, I don't want to be rude and be like, oh, who? you're talking to me like I'm your best friend. What's your name? That sounds rude, right? But they will have heard a sermon or come to the church once and kind of snuck in, snuck out, and just know of me somehow. And it's like, that's, that's just strange. Well, these guys did a thousand times more than I've ever done, and everybody saw them and ran to them. I'm like, you gotta, we got to be healed and have demons cast out. And, and some of their motives weren't exactly pure, but for the most part, they just knew something was happening with these disciples and their, their leader, their Messiah, Jesus. They go off into this desolate place, this quiet place. Why? To rest and to talk. You guys need to be doing that. I need to be doing that. It is very hard. I live a very hectic lifestyle sometimes. It's like the old thing, a feast or famine. There's days where it's like, I feel like I'm forgetting stuff to do. And there's other days where it's like, I, I can't do anything else this day because I have so many things on top of each other. But there's a time and a place for rest and simply talking with the Lord. Going off into a quiet place, um, whether it be the proverbial prayer closet where nobody else kind of enters and you're just in there praying, whether it's in your office if you have one, in your living room while everybody else is out doing stuff, if it's uh, you know on your break at work where you kind of leave everybody and just go off by yourself, you have to find time to stop and meet with Jesus. True or false, we're probably better than these guys who went out serving Jesus. No. These guys were crazy. Jesus told them, don't take two tunics, don't take any money, just go out, preach the gospel, and rely on the hospitality of the people you'd be preaching to. You're going to call them sinners and then hope they invite you home for lunch. So we are not doing that. How important it was for them to sit back and just take a time to be with Jesus. No, no prayer requests, no pleading for stuff. Just I, I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, there's, there's great restoration and repair that happens in that time. We go through so much. We, we battle day in and day out, and we think we can just keep going and keep churning, the uh, churning and going and, and 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 never stopping. And I'm telling you, at some point you will burn out. And you will burn out in a way where you turn on Jesus, not because Jesus is bad, but because you're so overwhelmed and possibly even hurt. Take a lesson from the disciples today and allow the invitation of Jesus to bring you in to a place of rest and peace. You can always go back. Now you might be saying, Pastor Tony, I live such a busy life. I, I have crazy kids. I have so much to do. Nobody will help me. I understand that. I mean, I understand it in a sense. My, my wife and my children are very good about allowing me to have some time 
and we try to extend that to each other. Um, but I will tell you this. Look for time. If you spend more than two hours watching Netflix, you have time to do this. If you have time to play video games, you have time to do this. If you have time to read fiction novels, you have time to do this. We're not asking or the Lord's not asking you to do you know, hours upon hours. No, there's no, there's no given time set here. So there's some freedom and liberty in that. Fifteen minutes out of your day. Maybe it's waking up earlier. Maybe you're like me. What I tend to do is I stay up later. A little too late, but I, I stay up later to have that time to pray and to worship. And sometimes it gets convoluted. I'm just asking for stuff. Like, you know, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for others. I'm not just there to experience this presence of the Lord and just allow him to bring rest to you or to me. But I tell you, Jesus expects us to do this. It's an invitation to come in and simply rest. And some of us, that word rest is so elusive. It sounds so luxurious, luxurious, but I'm telling you, it's there. And the Lord will make a way. Begin to pray for that moment where you can actually do that. And then when you have that time, shut off your phone, right? Not just, not just the ringer, maybe airplane mode. You know, no signals are coming in. Or leave your, your phone with your, your spouse or someone else who can answer your phone for you. Um, maybe put on some worship music. Maybe journal. Write stuff down. You know, definitely bring the Word of God with you. Let the Word of God lead you in that. Very simple. Word. This is not rocket science. This is just simply following the Lord and being in some quiet time with Him. It's very significant. Now, on the flip side of that, and this is more rare than, I think, than, than the other thing I just taught you, is some of you live a very quiet lifestyle. You, know, you go to a cubicle, you sit there, and you're quiet. You, you, you talk and converse, but you're not really, um, ex I don't want to say exercising, but you're not really moving a lot. And so to go from there and then just simply sit um, uh, for another 15 minutes or a half hour or whatever, you know, you might end up falling asleep, things like that. Um, do something. Do the opposite. You know, if you're, if you're a cubicle worker, try to do something physical as you do this. You know, chop wood, you know, vacuum. You're not, you're not trying to um, – what's that word that women always like? Multitask. You're not multitasking. You don't have to vacuum, but sometimes just that physical action of doing stuff just helps your mind keep moving and you're talking. You know, uh, be careful with the acts, please, when you're praying. But um, the only – I would just not limit yourself to that, but try that as well in conjunction with quiet time to, to see if that doesn't bring you to a place of rest before the Lord. And one last warning. Don't use the excuse of, well, my driving time is my – Worship time. That's great. I think it's great to redeem that time. If you're doing that in conjunction with this, awesome. But I think if that's your only time, um, you're going to find yourself doing what I tend to do sometimes, which is, oh, Lord, you're so great. Hey, get out of the way. Oh, my gosh, Lord. I just thank you for all the blessings. Yeah, you're the worst, and you're yelling at people, and the kids are asking questions. Or if you're by yourself, you're just, i got to pay the gas bill. And it's like your mind's just in so many different places. Uh, plus, you should be driving. And so if you shouldn't talk on your phone, you know, pray, but don't let that be your only time. It'll, it'll lead to an anemic prayer life if that's all you've got. This has to be, an every, uh, this has to be a part of the new you. you know, if you're looking to reinvent re yourself for 2016, try by, by doing this. Just try it once a week, a couple times a week. Just start off there. Find a time to be with the Lord. And to give yourself to him in that way, just to give you, give him rather, uh, your attention and, and see what the Lord will do in that time. But this has to be a part of our everyday life. 
you know, a lot of us are dieting right now and we're exercising because it's the new year and we want to change everything. Well, the biggest mistake we tend to make is that we don't we don't try things that are going to become a part of our everyday lifestyle. Well, I'm going on the soup diet. Well, are you going to eat soup for the rest of your life? No. Well, then that's not a good practice to have. I'm on, you know, the only rice diet. Okay, well, are you going to only eat rice for the rest of your life? If any of you were born in the 80s, you've heard all these. Um, well, if you're not going to eat rice for the rest of your life, you're going to set yourself up for disaster. You might lose 20 or 30 pounds, but as soon as you reintroduce regular food like you were eating, you're going to gain all that weight back. And so you've got to do new things that become a part of a, a regular practice for yourself so they become good, healthy habits. Now, so the situation is that Jesus and the disciples have been teaching and preaching all day long. And it's time to send the people away. It's dark. They're in a desolate place. And if they don't send them home now, these people aren't going to make it home. It's going to be dark. You'll find that in the time of Jesus' uh, earthly ministry, uh, being in certain places after dark, much like now, was not safe. You know, that's when bandits would go out and people who were looking to take advantage of other people would go out. And so you have to be indoors and safe and, you know, back at your home after dark. These people, if they don't leave now, they're not going to make it. Make it back home, I mean. And they're not going to have any food and people are going to fall along the wayside, Jesus says. So Jesus says we, we got to give them food. Rightly, I don't want to pick on these guys too much, but the disciples are like, well, how are we going to do that? 200 denarii, which is a lot of money. I don't know how much. I didn't look it up. But 200 denarii, a lot of money, to feed all these people. It says at the end of this account, 5,000 men were fed. If each man brought a wife and one child, that shoots up to 15,000 people, right? Just, just an average number. Some families could have had four and five, and who knows how many people were fed on that day. They need a lot of food. They need a lot of money just to buy a little bit of food for every person. Now, that's practically thinking. But what they've done is they've fallen into this trap that you and I fall into all the time. It's this place of, of hypothetically helping people. We, we get into these grandiose ideas where, well, I'll do this or I'll do that, and they're, they're so far-fetched. I mean, they seemingly are attainable in the moment, but going back to that diet scenario where we're not doing stuff that's part of our regular life, it, when we actually go to do it, we're so overwhelmed, like, I don't even know how to do that. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to start this ministry, or I'm going to go to, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus every day, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this, and you might do that, but more, most likely, because it's all hypothetical, and it's all uh, in this place of, of, of uncertainty, and there's no practical way to do it, you end up getting disappointed, and you end up being kind of flaky, because you're making these grandiose plans that you could probably never attain, short of a miracle of the Lord. Now, the Lord is miraculous, but I would say rather than setting up these these big goals that, yeah, they might be splashy and they might be uh, attention-getting, what if we just practically every day did things like read our Bible for a few minutes, you know, prayed for ourselves and for others, took quiet time before the Lord, tithed, just simply looking at your paycheck and saying, you know what, I want to give X amount of dollars this week. I don't want to be scrambling in my pocket on Sunday morning. And, and trying to find something to throw in there, and I don't even know what I put in there, but I just didn't want to be seen not giving something. You know, just sit down at the beginning of the week or, or when you get your paycheck saying, you know what, this is how much I want to give this week. You know, here at the chapel, we're not real hard, fast, tithe number guys. Like, like I don't call you up and say, hey, you gave $10 this week. Are you trying to tell me you only made $100? You 
Like, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you in that. And I don't know how, many, how much people give specifically in that sort of thing. But, but what if you just change things so that you sat down and with, with whether it's tithing or prayer or, or coming to church? That's a big one. Some of us forget church exists until Saturday night, Sunday morning. It's like, oh, yeah, church. I totally forgot. And so what if you just, like, being in school when you're seven years old, like, laid out your, your clothes beforehand? You ever do that when the first day of school came around? Like, lay out your clothes. This is what I'm going to wear. This is what's trendy. And put the socks inside the shoe. And that's what I'm going to look like. Only me? Whatever. You just prepared. You know Sunday's coming? Set an alarm in your, your smartphone or whatnot and just be like, oh, yeah, church is tomorrow. I better, you know, take a shower and find my Bible and that sort of thing. Like, I should, I should be ready for this. Simple changes in our life so that we can see this regenerative life that Jesus died to give us. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus died on a cross so that you might be forgiven of your sins and live this life that Jesus calls life more abundant. People get caught up in that. They think it's about riches and health and things like that. No, no. It's about experiencing life as much as you can this side of heaven. That life would have purpose like no other purpose you can find on this planet. That you will now begin to see purpose in the pain that you've been through and the trials you've been through. And you'll see how the Lord will redeem those things and use them for others. This is the abundant life that Jesus died to give you. It came at such a great cost. It means something. It's bigger than our own dreams and expectations. Uh, Powerball. You guys all saw the Powerball last night, right? <laughs> What's a Powerball? <laughs> it's a Pokemon thing. Um, Powerball. People going nutso. Watching a thing yesterday, people coming from Canada to try to win the Powerball and other states that don't have it, driving across the border to get a Powerball. And it's like, man, if they only knew that the hope that they're exercising now was meant for Jesus. It was winning $900 million. Yes, that would be a good thing. Your life would change. But the hope that you're looking for would not change. Go find some rich people and find out how easy their lives are. When you start adding zeros to the end of something, you start adding layers to the problems that can occur in somebody's life. And so I'm not saying that having money is bad. Not that I would know. I've been on the other end of the spectrum for quite some time now. Um, what I'm saying is what I've learned in the small increments where my income as a human being has grown, I've seen, oh, okay, they added a, a zero to my paycheck, but they added zeros to the bills as well. Like I have to pay more stuff now. And so I, I'm just here to tell you that the hope that you might find in all these other things is meant for Jesus. He's the only one who will not disappoint. He's the only one who will pick all of you, not just one out of 900 million of you. He'll pick all of you because he loves you so much. And let that hope be found only there. Now, I really don't care about the Powerball winning or not winning. Because at the end of the day, I have Jesus, and that's all I care about. Now, that being said, these disciples, if they were left into themselves, they'd never do, they wouldn't have done anything. James says in the book that he wrote that, that faith without works is dead faith. Like your faith has to be doing something. That's how you show that you have the faith that you claim to have. You might say, yes, I have faith in Jesus. Then what are you doing as a result of that? Are you repenting? Are you, are you forgiving others if you, as you have been forgiven? Are you treating others as you want to be treated? Are you praying for your enemies? Are you loving those who are unlovable? Are you, are you standing up in integrity against sin? 
I'm talking about your own sin. Before you start going after somebody else's sin, Jesus says, the speck in their eye, watch for the plank in your eye. Take that out first. It's not that they don't have a speck in their eye. They absolutely do. But you've got to deal with yours first. Are you doing these things? That's an evidence of faith, uh, of your faith being a genuine faith. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't ever do anything about it. Well, maybe you just love the idea of not going to hell. And not going to hell is a good thing. And I can understand where you're coming from. But life is so much more than just avoiding hell. It's about embracing heaven starting today. And that heaven being Jesus and his personal relationship with him. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. True or false, Jesus is God. True. Do anything? True. Miraculous even? True. Bring back people from the dead, cast out demons. There's nothing, then there's something. Creator God. I mean, this is God incarnate in the flesh. And they say, what are we going to do? And he says, you give them something to eat. Can you get a more vague and general <laughs> command? You give them something to eat. He didn't even tell them what to feed them. They have to decide that for themselves. True or false, we'd never eat if we just if we just talk to our spouses about dinner. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Well, why don't I go here? No, we went there last week. And you just go back and forth for hours on end. It's, I'm surprised we don't lose more weight than we do just going through that scenario. You go give them something to eat. Can you imagine the discussion between the disciples? What should we give them? I don't know. What do you got? I got nothing. What do you got? I got some you know, kosher jerky. I don't know what I got. What, what's good is that going to do? In, 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 the, in another account in the other Gospels, we find that these two fishes and loaves came from a little boy. came from his lunch pail. He offered them. And this is where the miracle begins. Jesus invites us. Now, I, I want you to hear this. I said it kind of snarky. I doubt Jesus was snarky. You give them something to eat. What Jesus has done is invited them in to be a part of this miracle that he's about to perform. Jesus invites you in to be a part of his kingdom, to do great and miraculous things all the time. Now, what we miss is our, what gets in the way is our idea of a miracle. When someone gives their life to Jesus, that's a miracle. The Bible says that before Jesus, if you, if you looked at it as a definitive line, before Jesus, we're dead. The reason why we need to be born again, because we are dead. Not physically, spiritually. We died because of sin. We are dead because of sin. It takes a miraculous awakening from the Holy Spirit that we would recognize Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Not just as a Lord and Savior, but our Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior. He saved me from my sins. He saved me from the eternal death. He saved me from eternal damnation and separation from him for forever, for eternity. That's a miracle. And there are so many other things that we don't even see. You know, when, 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 when we're not even cognizant because we're looking at something else with our tunnel vision and, and things are happening, miraculous. We pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's miraculous when you are fed and clothed and warm on a daily basis. It's not because you have a good job and you saved up for yourself. The Lord has provided for you. Sometimes we're not thankful for what we've been given because we think we got it for ourselves. And it's a great lie of the enemy. Don't fall for that. Know that every day God has given you that job and that income and that stuff that you have to enjoy. That food you have to eat. The heat in your house. The warm water that you take a shower with. 
Can you imagine if all you had to bathe in was dirty sewer water that the whole town dumped all the refuse into? And that's a real life for some people. And we have, we have access to, to such glorious things. Don't, don't lose sight of that and take advantage or, or take that for granted. Jesus challenges you to do this. How are you going to respond? There's, there's no, well, I don't know. I'm not going to do anything. I don't know what to do. The disciples didn't know what to do. What the, all the disciples needed in this moment was to obey Jesus. That's all they had to do. That was, that was their works in this moment. They were going to listen and come under the lordship of their Messiah and simply obey, even though they knew they didn't know what to do. Verse 39 says, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces, uh, broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. It's Jesus' work. To do this is a miracle, okay? When the Bible, excuse me, when the Bible talks about miraculous works, this is one of them. The into the Gospel of John it says that if you were to chronicle everything that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, the world would be filled with volumes of books about all the stuff he did. When you read the Gospels, it's just a sampling of some of the great things that he did. This is one of them. To make we can't, you and I can't do this outside or, or short of a miraculous move of the Lord at a certain time in a certain place. We can't simply call food out of thin air. Fish and loaves, fish and loaves, nothing happens. But Jesus can. And so the, what I want you to see here is how simple obedience in the hands of the Lord is multiplied. See, we get caught up in all the things we're going to do, but really just some simple obedience applying the word of God to our lives. All the things I mentioned before, loving others as you love yourself, loving the helping the helpless, uh you know, standing up in the face of sin, not caving to the pressures of what's perceived to be the majority when it's really the minority. Standing up and just being obedient. What once they came to the end of themselves and realized they had nothing, Jesus just says, "Hey, go sit down." Give me the fishes and loaves. Go serve the people. All you have to do is bring your fishes and loaves. What do you got? We don't have anything. You know, you might know I have this. We all have something in a sense, but it's not up to us. We this ministry doesn't run the way that it does because Pastor Tony's here. That if anything, it's proven the opposite. That it's moving in spite of Pastor Tony being here. Um and it's weird to talk to myself in the third person. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, is all I do is I come with my fishes and loaves and say, Lord, this is all I got. And the Lord is just so good to multiply that and multiply that and to take my, my meager efforts, to take your meager efforts and do something great with them. So at the end of the day, we can honestly say, wow, I don't know how that happened. I don't know why this happened or this, this person did this or, or how this life changed. I just know Jesus did something about it. That Jesus took what little bit I had, which was virtually nothing, and did so much more. I believe Jesus could have accomplished this without the fishes and loaves. I do. He could have just spoke things and it would have happened. 
Instead, he took the small sacrifice of the people and made it so much more than they ever could. Come to Jesus today. Give him your fishes and loaves. Simply be obedient and watch what the Lord can do in your life. I can't get out of my sin. Well, come to him and just give it to him. And watch what he can do. Well, I, I just, life is not going according to plan. Well, come and give your life to him. Romans 12 says, make yourself a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice, sacrifices lay down. They don't get up. They don't give directions. They just, they're just consumed by the fire. Be a living sacrifice. See if the Lord does not begin to do something in your life. Maybe he'll do it immediately. Maybe it'll take a few months because you need some refining. But I guarantee you, if the Lord is commanding us to do this, he will do something in your life. All you got to do, you don't have to say it. You don't have to proclaim it. You don't have to uh, call things as if they're not. All you have to do is simply obey. Be obedient. Look for the opportunities. Well, you know, we talked about CareNet. Well, you know, I can't save all the babies. Well, let's just, let's just save one. Fill up one baby bottle. How simple. And watch God take that and multiply it to help other people. Well, you know, I, I can't pray for everybody. It's just overwhelming. Well, then pray for one person or one situation. I can't read the whole Bible. Well, read one chapter. Read one passage. Well, I, I can't do this and I can't do that. Just bring what you got and watch the Lord do everything else. Watch the Lord change your life. Watch your life begin to change in the midst of all your circumstances. Can you, you know, we've been seeing a lot of natural disasters lately, right? Hurricanes and tornadoes. And um, where, I, where I lived in California, they actually had a tornado watch because of uh, uh, El Nino coming through and all the havoc. Uh, that's reeking. But, you know, can you imagine trying to build a house in the midst of something like Hurricane Katrina? Destroying houses. But you're going to build a house? Impossible, right? But that's sort of what the Lord has, has begun in us, to build up this new house on the solid foundation of Jesus in the midst of chaos, in spite of chaos. Your life may never get any easier than it is right now. Tomorrow might be harder than today and progressively worse to the end of your life. It just might be. And there are thousands of saints who have died before you who have that testimony. But they have seen the Lord carry them through every single storm and build in spite of it. And so, church, I want to encourage you today that what God has begun in you, obviously because of his word, he's going to complete in you. That no matter what storm is flying around you today, he's going to keep building as though it's not even there. He's going to build it to withstand those storms that you're going through and the storms of the future because they're coming. And it's your job to come with your fishes and loaves and just simply say, Lord, I will be obedient. No matter how strong the wind, no matter how much rain, no matter how much devastation I see around me, I will stand in you today. Psalm 91 talks about this guy in the midst of chaos and how 10,000 are falling on one side and 1,000 are falling on another side. Talking about uh, people dying, him being in the midst of it and being protected and safe. That's a man that is being safe or being kept, but in the midst of chaos. I don't know about you, but if I went to you know the state fair, people dropped all around me. I wouldn't think that I was safe. I would think, wow, this is a dangerous place to be in. But the promise from the Lord is that for you, even if man should take your life, you are still in his hand and you will be fine. And so all of this comes with a healthy dose of 
losing fear to what man can do and fearing God alone, which is the beginning of all understanding, the Bible says. This is a ch it's not just an encouragement, it's a challenge. When are you going to start living your life like this? I, I, I can't live it for you, and I refuse to. Because I, I, I have enough with me, you know, hearing this message and getting up off my backside and doing something about it. Not trying to get lost in all the things I could do and just looking at what's before me. You know, when I was younger, you know, it's all about building a mega church. Gotta build a mega church. Because if you build a mega church, then you're obviously doing something right. And all these things, and we gotta do all this and all these plans. You look at other people who've done it, it seems so easy. And it's like, well, that's not what God had in front of me. What God had in front of me was South Bay Chapel and you people. And I love you guys. And I've watched us grow just ever, ever so much every year. And I've learned that that's the fishes and loaves that God has, has brought me to. I simply need to be obedient. And, and this is what the Lord has brought you to as well. Give your life to, to not just the ministry of this church, but the ministry God has called you to. You go out to places all day long. You, you meet people, customers and clients and uh, other kids' moms and dads and just look for opportunity. Pray for opportunity. Don't go in there throwing elbows. I'm going to tell you about Jesus and you're going to like it. Like Just go in there and look for opportunity. You guys, you guys see uh, the Netflix making of a murderer? I did. It was good. And you know what? Everybody's talking about it. And it leads to questions about justice and injustice and life and death and the importance of, of the truth being told and the evidence that, that truth always is found out. Good or bad, truth always comes out. It's this great gospel opportunity to simply say, hey, you know, yeah, I see where you're going with that. I, I have some opinions too. And they're based on what I read in the Word of God. And let me let me share that with you. You can do it organically and not try to like, you know, Make it into everything. You gonna watch the Super Bowl? Well, I already watched the Super Bowl on Calvary Sunday, but um, you know, it's called the Jesus Juke, right? It's a little awkward. Nobody's gonna talk to you anymore. <laughs> You're gonna find yourself at the water cooler by yourself all the time. And uh, but hey, you know, yeah, I watched that too. You know, it was it was hard to watch. You know, for me personally, it was it was hard to watch because you don't know what the truth is because of you know drama and all that. But now I know there's a guy that could be in jail for. Something he didn't do? That's the worst. Being falsely accused and, you know, injustice is important and injustice is horrible. And you think about men like Pastor Saeed who's wrongly in prison, just, just in jail in a, in a prison in Iran for having faith in Jesus in a Muslim country. That's, that's injustice. You know, watching, you know, not the media per se, but watching things unravel in our own country. Watching constitutional rights being trampled upon day in and day out watching human lives just being insignificant just being a dollar sign rather than a human life and so all that to say our hope has to be in our obedience to uh, or our obedience has to be to Jesus he's the only one who can help you he's the only one who will save you he's the only one with the answers he's the only one with life and so today I encourage you but I challenge you bring what little you have to Jesus and watch him do something miraculous let's stand and let's pray go ahead Mark yeah so one element that Mark hit on that I didn't even touch today is the idea of trusting the Lord. 
this is a vulnerable spot to come and give what you have you know some of us we do that and it's like I'm gonna be ashamed if this is all I have to give to the Lord you know all I've got is fishes and loaves that's all I got but it's not about it's not a Ponzi scheme where Jesus makes you give up your stuff so he gives you more stuff it's 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 watch what the Lord can do with your little bit of effort with what you bring to the table you don't have everything but you've got something and will you trust him will you be vulnerable before him to watch him do something great with those things let's pray Jesus your word is good I, I read this story and again I'm filled with awe that you you did something so miraculous but I'm also I put myself in the place of the disciples and I see man I'm just like that you know I withhold I, I hold back in just living for you every day and no matter what my circumstances or excuses might be the end of the day is I, I'm, I'm I'm lacking that vulnerability and that trust in you and Lord none of us none of us have none of us here think that our works will save us that our works are what's what our salvation is depending on what we're what we're wanting to do is be a part of your kingdom ministry to win souls to your kingdom to see lives change to see uh Canastota and Sylvan Beach and Wampsville and Lakeport and, and and all these little towns in between to see people and lives and families changed in the book of Acts it says there were men who gave their lives to you and their whole households were converted that the children and the wife and the and the servants and everybody the parents they 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 heard the testimony of Jesus and gave their life to them to give their life to him that's all we're praying for lord is to simply do what you keep doing help us to keep this mentality that that we have been given this invitation to be a part of the miracles that you're about to do but it's more than an invitation it's also a command to go and to do and to serve and to love and because of what you've already done for us to take our fishes and loaves and do something about it and Jesus I pray against arrogance and pride I pray against a mentality that says we have to do it Lord but I pray for a mentality that is for you a mentality that loves you so much that giving up everything for you is is nothing that we would be obedient through the power of your Holy Spirit because of the grace you've given us through Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.